trusted in Jesus, everything would be easier. It is a thought that many, many, many have, have had. Yet as I study God's word and as I delve into the subject of suffering and comfort, I have come to a place where I believe that suffering is absolutely necessary. That God allows, and I'm going to even use the word ordains suffering, ordains means approves, ordains suffering in our life for our good. Now, there is unspeakable joy for the believer who learns the secret to living in suffering rejoicing, to living through difficulties and trials, believing victoriously. Fortunately, so few believers have learned to do that. And I want to tell you, it is something that we learn how to do, as we'll see the Apostle Paul say in his letter to the church at Philippi. I know that our greatest opportunity to be a light for Jesus and for God is during the time of suffering. The most effective the most powerful, the greatest opportunity to be a light is during times of suffering. In the eighth chapter of John, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. But then in Matthew chapter 4, he says this, you are the light of the world. Was he confused? Not sure? No, he knew exactly what he was saying, that it is his blueprint, that it is his plan, that it is his calling on our life, that we be a reflection of who he is, that other people be able to see Jesus in us, that we be a reflection of the light that he is. But it's so important that we understand that in our journey, that God is sovereign, that God is in control, that God is the source, that God is the power. Power belongs to God. Power to save, power to change us and mold us and shape us, power to sustain us, power to use us. That's not from within us. That is God. God is the source of that. So we could say that it is within us in that he is within us and he is the source of that power. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Beginning in verse 6, Paul writes this, For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Let light shine out of darkness, he says. He who is within us has shown in our hearts to give, that we are to give his light, the light, the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. In verse 7, but we have this treasure in jars of clay. Many versions of the Bible use the words earthen vessels. We have this treasure. 
We have this possession within us in our earthly bodies, in these jars of clay, Paul describes them as, to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. That God is the source during our time of struggle. That God is the one who rises up during our time of struggle. Surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. What God commands of us, and there are many commands in God's word for us, what he commands for us, he provides for us. What he calls us to, he leads us in. He, he strengthens us in. He guides us in. He is the source. He is the power. God's power is sufficient. It is supreme. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 1. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 4 he commands us to be joyful always. In all things, he says, to rejoice. He says also in Philippians that in all things we should, that we should be in all things without grumbling. It kind of a, a little bit different way of saying to be content to experience his peace, to experience his joy. So that's easy to preach. But the question becomes, how do we do that? Are there some keys that, uh, that, that, that we can embrace, that we can make part of who we are, that will help us to rejoice in suffering? To have joy in the midst of trial, in the midst of difficulty. In Philippians chapter 4, in verse 10, Paul writes these words. Philippians chapter 4, he says, I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I've learned this. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty. I've learned the secret of facing hunger. I've learned the secret of facing abundance. I've learned the secret of facing need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So what is the secret that Paul has learned? You know, the, the, his letter to the church at Philippi, Philippi, the book we call Philippians, has really been called the book of joy. How to experience joy regardless of our circumstances, how to experience joy in the midst of difficult times. And I believe that if we took a look at the book of Philippians, we could learn what Paul calls the secret, being content in every circumstance, the secret of rejoicing. I suggest to you today, listen carefully, you might want to jot this down. I suggest to you today that the, that the secret in experiencing joy and suffering can be found in the supremacy, that means there's nothing above it, in the supremacy of God's sovereignty and in the supremacy of knowing Jesus or the sweetness of relationship with him. Sovereignty and knowing him. 
believing him, his power, his control, and relationship with him, and intimacy with him, and knowing him, and interaction with him. Believing that he is in control of all things, that he always has a plan, that he always has a purpose, that he orchestrates events, you believe that with all of your heart. And then you, you, you revel, you love the, the time with him, of knowing him, of growing in him, of interacting with him. is absolutely crucial. His sovereignty. Do we ever step back and we go, you know what? This hurts and I don't understand it. And my big question is why? Jesus asked that question. Why? My question is why? And we step back from that situation and we say this. Though I don't understand, I believe. God is sovereign. God is provident. God is in control. There is nothing bigger than him. Anything that I'm experiencing in my life, he could thwart, he could stop. And if he doesn't, there must be a reason why. I look to some scriptures also in the book of Philippians, Philippians 1.12. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. What had happened to Paul? He had been arrested, he had been beaten, he had been thrown in prison. But I want you to know, he says, that all of this has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard. Everybody, this is being a light. This is an earthly vessel. This is a jar of clay that has been broken and through the brokenness, the light of Jesus shines through. And Paul, understanding and realizing God's sovereignty and God using this in his life, it brings him great, great joy. All of the, the imperial guard. And it says, and to all the rest, everybody who's heard of my imprisonment, it's all for Christ. It's about him. It's shining his light. And there's more than that, he says in verse 14. Most of the brothers... Having, are, are, are becoming more confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, he says. They're much more bold to speak the word without fear. That's God's sovereignty. That's God working things together for our good and for his glory. He is, he is sovereign over our circumstances. In, in chapter 1 and in verse 6, we see it again. I am sure of this. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Does that sound like hope so? Maybe so? I think so? Man, I'm just, I pray that God will do that. I hope God will do that. That's a fact. He who began a work in you will complete it. God is sovereign over our, over our perseverance. He's sovereign over the circumstances of our lives. There's more in chapter 1 and verse 29. Paul writes this, it's been granted to you, for it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. It's been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, for his mission, 
for his plans, for his purpose, for his glory. It's been granted to you. You know, the word granted kind of makes me think of it's my privilege. It's been bestowed upon me. It's, it's something that he wants to give me. He's granted this to me, that I would suffer for his sake, that I would suffer for his name. It's been granted to you for the sake of Christ that you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. It's an amazing thing. There's, there, there's, there's even more. Verse, uh, chapter 3 and verse 20. Chapter 3 and verse 20. He says, but our citizenship is in heaven. That's something we need to remember. That first and foremost, our citizenship is in heaven. And our supreme authority is the king. And the king is on the throne. And the king has power and authority over all other rulers. There is no ruler above him. And though we have citizenship in this great country, first and foremost, our citizenship is in heaven. And we serve a king. And he will never see him on any ballot. He's on the throne. And he is in control. He says, but our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. He is in control of it all. In chapter 4, in verse 19, my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. He's sovereign even over our needs. In our time of difficulty, in our time of trial, in our time of mourning, our time of grief, in our time of suffering, in our time in our lives when there are more questions than there are answers, in our time of pain, in our time of wondering how am I going to make it until the end of the month, in our physical need, in our emotional need, in our relational needs, in our spiritual needs. God is sovereign over all of that. None of that takes him by surprise. He always has a plan. He always has a purpose. And he holds all authority in his hands and all power in his hands. And when he says, I am able to work all things together for your good, for my glory, you can take it to the bank. You can walk in that. You can believe that. You can internalize that. You can make that a part of who you are. The secret is in believing with all that you are in God's power and God's control over all things. It's not just waiting to get through it, though. I mean... There would be a, a mentality, I think, that would be very natural for us in the midst of suffering to think to ourselves, I, you know, I, I, I just need to persevere. I, I just got to get through this. The end is coming. I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. 
you know, that's not really consistent with the command that he gives us to, in every circumstance, be joyful. It's not really consistent with this, with this idea that in all, do all things without grumbling. Experience all things. Endure all things. Be, be content. Learn to be content. Know the secret of being content. So it's not, it's not just waiting for it to be over that God has in mind for us. Philippians chapter 3, verse 8. I love this passage of Scripture. Indeed, Paul says, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things, but I count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. I've suffered the loss of all things, he said, in order to gain Christ. You talk about somebody who says, man, you know, I thought when I believed in Jesus everything would get easier. I mean, Paul, before Paul was Paul, Paul was Saul. (laughs) And Saul... He, he, was, he had power, he had authority, he had a, a great job, he had wealth, he had influence. He was riding high. And then he met Jesus. And it says here in this verse, I lost everything. I, I lost it all. I've suffered the loss of all things. But I count it as garbage. I count those things as garbage. Now that I know Jesus. So what he's saying is, is you don't have to wait till the end. There's this sweetness of Jesus that can permeate our lives, that can be the experience in our lives in the midst of difficult times. Chapter 4 in verse 80, he kind of reiterates that. Finally, brothers... Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think on these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Man, I want to learn that like Paul learned it. Because... Jesus said you're going to have difficulties. You're going to have trials. But what what did he say after that? Be of good cheer. In this world, you will have trials. Be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. I'm bigger than the world. I'm sovereign over the world. Paul learned that. I want to learn that. And and, and here's why. It goes back to this light thing, right? It goes back to me reflecting the image, the person, the character of Jesus in my life, and it shines through greater when this, this jar of clay, this earthen vessel is cracked and broken. Then the light really shines through. When I've learned 
the secret to being content in all things. That's why I think Paul can say in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning in verse 8, 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 8, we are afflicted in every way, but we're not crushed. This almost sounds like a football coach at halftime, right? We're down. It, it, it doesn't look good. We're afflicted in every way, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but we're not driven to despair. We're persecuted, but we're not forsaken. We're struck down, but we're not destroyed. Why? We're always carrying in the body the death of Jesus. In this jar of clay, in this earthen vessel, Jesus is in there, and we're carrying Jesus. Why? So that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. So through the brokenness, he shines through so that people see. We who live are always been given out over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus also may be manifest in our mortal flesh. Verse 11. In these earthen vessels. Reminds me real, real, real quick. I should have looked this up. I think I can remember. It reminds me so much of the Old Testament story of Gideon. Gideon was the commander of the Lord's army, and they had a battle before them, the Midianites. The Midianites' army numbered 145,000. Gideon had, if I recall, 42,000. 32,000. Gideon had 32,000 soldiers. And so he did what you and I would do. He prayed. He fell on his face. And he said, Lord, we're outnumbered four to one. And God said, get in here. Huddle up. Here's my strategy. You got too many men. And so... He sends Gideon to the troops, and he says, if any of you guys don't want to go into battle, I don't know if he used the word if y'all scared or not, y'all can leave. 22,000 left. And there were 10,000. And God came to Gideon, and he goes, still got too many. And so he gave him instruction on how to find those who God wanted to call, who God wanted to use. And after he had, he had followed through on this instruction, Gideon had 300 men left. And God says to Gideon, now here's the plan. I want you to take earthen vessels. I want you to take jars of clay. And I want you to put within the jar of clay a light. And I want you to take your horn. And I want you to surround the Midianite army they are camped in the valley of Jezreel. Just take your 300 and surround that entire valley. And then when the word is given, I want you to shout, the word of the Lord, the sword of the Lord, and the sword of Gideon, and break those jars and blow those trumpets. 
And that's exactly what they did. And the word was given and they broke those earthen vessels and they broke those jars of clay and the light shined through. They blasted the trumpet. The 145,000 Midianites were scared out of their wits. Chaos ensued. Those who didn't, weren't killed by each other fled for their lives and God got the victory. And the point of the story is this, is that unless those jars of clay, those earthen vessels were broken, the light couldn't shine through. That's what we are. That's what he says. We are jars of clay. We have these jars of clay that possess this incredible possession. The light of Jesus Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. Jesus said, you're the light of the world. You're to reflect my light. People are to see you, see me in you. Man. No wonder he says in verse 16 of 2 Corinthians 4, so don't lose heart. Though your outer self is wasting away, that's the earthen vessel. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. This, this contrast, this suffering, this affliction, this pain, this grief, this sorrow, this difficulty, you lay it next to what is being prepared for us this eternal weight of glory. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has it entered into the very imagination or heart of man what God has prepared for those that love him. You set this momentary affliction on one side and what God has prepared for those who love him on the other. And there is no comparison. Paul says it this way, it's beyond all comparison. This light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to things that are seen but to things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. There's so much that could be said. But I, when it talks about the unseen, it talks about what we see and what we don't see, you know, we're instructed in Scripture, we don't walk by sight, we walk by faith. We don't walk by understanding, we walk by believing Him. The, what we believe, what our faith is in, lasts forever. What we're, we're able to see, that's temporal. I, I think it's just a, 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 an affirmation, it's a confirmation that God is saying, here's what I want from you more than anything else. Here's what I want from you. Here's what I want from you. Believe me. Trust me. Have faith in me. Believe me. I'm sovereign over all things. I love you with a perfect love. I know what's best for you. I want what's best for you. I have power and authority over all things. Trust me and believe me. what he's saying you know um, the election was Tuesday Tuesday morning Pastor Jim got to work and there was a line that stretched from these two doors and out and around the building and down 
the sidewalk, and I think, I didn't actually see this, I heard about it, Pastor Jim took a picture of it, and he posted it on, either on Facebook or our website or something, and he wrote on Tuesday, look, there's already a lion for church Sunday. <laughs> and and, and we, <laughs> we were talking about that at staff meeting Tuesday, and we all had a good laugh about it, and, and you know what, it, that thought never left my mind. Throughout the week, I, I've, I've been thinking about that and it occurred to me that there are places in the world where that's actually true and you know where they're at they're in the places of the greatest suffering I, I told Jerry Sharpless before the service started man I almost called you yesterday and said you need to share Jerry's been all over the world most of his ministry is in Asia and almost all of his ministry are with those who are suffering, those who are facing great persecution. I said, Jerry, it seems like to me that those people are more joyful than we are. And he just, yeah. I wonder why. Maybe they've learned the secret of being content. You know, until we learn this, we can't be the light that God wants us to be, that he's called us to be, that he empowers us to be. We need each other when we walk through these difficult times. You know why the lions are around the building five days before church starts? They need each other. They can't wait to worship. They can't wait to fellowship. They can't wait to serve. They can't wait to hear God's word. They just can't wait. They just are excited about it. That God would do that here. He can. That God would do that here. Hey, tonight, 7 o'clock, we're going to show a movie. The title of it is The Integrity, The, ins the Integrity, The Insanity of God. And it's about this thing. It's about suffering. It's about persecution. It's about bringing God glory even in the most difficult of circumstances. I want to encourage you to come and join us for that. It starts at 7 o'clock. You're going to have a great time. This will, it'll challenge you greatly. And it'll be a wonderful time together. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, there's this... Um, disparity, I think, between the simplicity of what you've taught us today and the complexity of living it out. And I think, Lord, that maybe one of the things that you're showing us, and I ask your Holy Spirit to speak this into people, but that, that if you're going to learn the secret of contentment, the secret of rejoicing in any situation that you're going to have to invest in, in God's word. You, you, we're going to have to learn. We're going to have to learn. Teach us, Lord Jesus, even as we leave here, teach us as we walk out through this week that you are sovereign and in control Help us to speak those words. Help us to remind ourselves 
of your love and your sovereignty and your control and your purpose and your plan, regardless of what we face in this coming week, regardless of what we face in the days ahead. I'm asking you, Lord, to change us, to mature us, to grow us. I'm asking you to teach us. Give us faith to believe you. As you share with us your sovereignty, help us to believe it, to walk in it. Lord, when these old jars of clay are broken, may your light shine through. For your glory, for your glory is our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want you to see a real quick video that is a trailer of the movie that we're going to see tonight. Peter, if you've got that hooked up and ready to go, why don't we run that? 90% born in the church, raised in the church, saved in the church, married and buried in the church, will never share Jesus with another person. No one had ever sat down with us and said, this is the job of a missionary. It was like getting in a plane in the New Testament and getting off the plane in the Old Testament. It was like I had flown into hell. We saw what, what darkness was. We'd seen darkness in Somalia, and all of a sudden now we saw darkness up front and personal in our family. But we, um, we had no idea what was coming. Out of the ashes of, of Somalia and after the death of our son, we were compelled to return to some of the toughest places uh, in the world for the gospel. There was something we needed to know. Is Jesus worth it? There begins uh, a pilgrimage of sitting at the feet of believers in persecution and ask them, teach us. that there is a free church and a suffering church. There's just the church. resurrected Christ himself. Amen. Yeah, you'll be inspired tonight. And you'll be challenged by that as well. Hey, y'all might remember this. About a year ago, uh, Huey Houston, who is our missionary to the fighting forces of the Israeli army, the Israel Defense Forces. Did I say that right? IDF? IDF? Um, 
brought to us about 400 Hanukkah cards that he wanted to distribute to those soldiers and those who support them. And uh, the response that he got back from them was absolutely incredible, and it gave him opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to share the gospel of Yeshua, the Messiah, Jesus. And so he's asked us if we would do that again this year. So on the table in the back, I think we have about 500 cards, and we're going to be doing this in our service, the next service in our Spanish-speaking ministry service. Uh, there are cards that look like this. Here's what we would like for you to, this is just an idea, you don't have to write these words exactly, but I think Peter has a slide that this is an idea of what we'd like to see you write in these cards, and um, Covenant Ministries is the name of, of Huey's ministry, and this will be a blessing. More, more than that, as wonderful as that is, that it would be a blessing to these soldiers um, it gives Huey an opportunity to share the gospel with them. It, and here's how that happens. They come up to him, and here's where they go. Why do you do this? And he's happy to tell them why. And uh, he's, he gets to share the gospel with them. So immediately when we dismiss, and we're going to dismiss here in just a couple of minutes, two minutes, um, it, it, those who don't mind doing this, those who would be willing to help us out with this, there's tables in the back, the cards are on it. If you'll write a note similar to that on the cards, we would really, really appreciate it. And let me remind you that this coming Saturday is our Harvest Festival. Here's the instruction for that. Invite, 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 invite. Invite your friends and your neighbors and your family and your co-workers to come. Give us an opportunity to meet them, to minister to them. It's going to be a fun day. A lot's going on for the children. They'll have a great time. That is Saturday from six, from 3 o'clock to 6 p.m. And then those of you who are interested, you've been praying about membership here at Avalon Church. Tomorrow night we have a membership class. It's not too late to sign up, but be sure and sign up. We want to have the materials available for you. That's tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. Let me invite you to stand. And I'm going to ask Arthur if he would to close our service with a short time of worship and then a prayer. And um, I love you, and uh, we'll see you soon. See you tonight. God bless you. Arthur, if you would.